you know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences. Uh, I respond to big comedy sequences. It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up. Everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a, a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode um, of Chip and I talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. So this is uh, Jackie Brown, of course, as you can see. And this was originally recorded November 18th of 2022 on our old podcast. But it's the same old discussion. Uh, two of the same old cousins and uh, having a good old conversation. Uh, short and sweet this time. So thank you very much. Have a good one. I'm your host, Philip Duke, and I'm here with his cousin, Chip. Hello, everybody. Hello, nice. Chip. Um, so, first yeah. of all, some listener opinions that came in since our last show regarding thoughts on Pulp Fiction. Eva underscore Spectre 55 wrote, quote, are you kidding me? The movie is just wow. And then a hard eye emoji. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with Pulp Fiction. Before we get to what we're getting to, so after Pulp Fiction, then he did, um, he did Four Rooms, and if what we said was right about Pulp Fiction wanting other directors to come in and do each thing and have characters flow in and out, you can see where that idea came came yeah. from of Four Rooms having Tim uh, go in and out, uh, Tim Roth. So he directed. So the movie was okay. Everybody went and saw it because it was Quentin. But when yeah. you got to, but the only two, the best ones were, um, were uh, the uh, Robert Rodriguez one, and then the mm -hmm. Quentin Tarantino one. And the one with yeah. the witches was like kind of big because it was like Madonna. We got Madonna to be in this. We got a topless Ioni Sky in it. Um, and so people were like, yeah. Oh my God, but it was like, but it was witches and it was okay. And it was interesting. And then the other one with, uh, the girl from Flashdance, uh, Jessica, not Beale, Jennifer Beals, um, where she had like the husband that was, you know, thinking she was cheating on him. And, uh, so that was good. Mm -hmm. But the best one was the last one, the Quentin Tarantino, the man from Hollywood. And it was done like the Alfred Hitchcock um it was taken from an alfred hitchcock the man from rio and i think it was man from rio anyway it's really good you can't find like when i go to watch it online that one is not there so you have to buy the set oh. to have you're able to watch it if you watch it on youtube it's one of those where it's in a small box so you have to watch it in a small box it's very weird as opposed to full screen, like you can't make it full screen. But anyway, everybody go check mm -hmm. out Four Rooms or at least try to find just that section of Quentin's Four Rooms at the end, uh, Man from Hollywood. So are you ready to get on with the show? Yeah, let's do it. 
Christmas is usually a time for giving, but this year, Santa's got a brand new bag. What do a stewardess, a gun runner, a bail bondsman, an ex-con, a federal agent, and a beach bunny have in common? They're all chasing a half million in cash. Man, I ain't getting in this trunk. You ain't gonna be in here no more than ten minutes. I ain't riding in no trunk for no minute. Jackie Brown, rated R. Christmas Day everywhere. Jackie Brown, 1997. The plot, a flight attendant with a criminal past gets nabbed by the ATF for smuggling, for smuggling, period. Under pressure to become an informant against the drug dealer she works for, she must find a way to secure her future without getting killed. Stars Pam Greer as Jackie Brown. So Tarantino wanted Pam Greer to play the title character, and she had previously read for Pulp Fiction character Jody, you know, the Roseanne Arquette part. But Tarantino, that's Jody, that's my wife. Uh, but Tarantino did not believe audiences would find it plausible for Eric Stoltz to yell at her, which is true. Like she's a strong black woman. Uh, Greer, mm-hmm. did not, Greer did not expect Tarantino to contact her after the success of Pulp Fiction. When she showed up to read for Jackie Brown, Tarantino had posters of her films in his office. She asked if he had put them up because she was coming to read for this film. He responded that he was actually planning to take them down before her audition to avoid making it look like he wanted to impress her. So he's like, no, these are just my posters for you. You know, I just like your movies. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Jackson is Ordell Robbie, Roby, Robbie. Yeah. Robert Forster as Max Cherry. So Tarantino considered Paul Newman, Gene Hackman and John Saxon. You know, John Saxon is the father from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, for the role of Max Cherry. Bridget Fonda as Melanie Ralston. So that's who was in it. Christina Applegate was almost cast as Melanie. Unfortunately, production of the movie clashed with Applegate's commitment to the final episodes of Married with Children. Which I was thinking okay. about that, which sucks because here she is like doing them nice of being like, I'm not going to go do a movie. And then they fuck them over by not even doing a finale episode. They just like, we pulled the plug. You're done. So yeah, that's fucked up. Um, also, the character Melanie was inspired by exploitation actress Candace Rialson, as is hardly unexpected of Quentin Tarantino. The writer director took inspiration for the character from his love of exploitation cinema. Tarantino said that Melanie was largely modeled on actress Candace Rialson and also her names like Melanie, you know, you know, sounds like Rialson, uh, a contemporary of Pam Greer in 70s B movies. Although the two actresses never worked together, Rialson appeared in such cult movies as Candy Stripe Nurses, Mama's Dirty Girls and Summer School Teachers. So, of course, I got to go watch those movies Um, in mainstream cinema. Rialson took small roles in the Iger Sanction, Logan's Run, and Mel Brooks' silent movie. She retired as an actress in 1980 and sadly passed away in 2006 from liver disease at age 54. Michael Keaton as ATF agent Ray Nicolette, our favorite. Uh, Steve Soderbergh's Out of Sight was starting production of another adaptation of one of Leonard's book. Soderbergh was waiting to see who Tarantino was going to cast as Ray Nicolette. 
Keaton was hesitant to take the part, even though Tarantino wanted him for it. He subsequently agreed to play Nicolette again in Out of Sight, uncredited, appearing in one brief scene. Although Miramax held the rights to the characters, Tarantino insisted that the studio not cha charge Universal for using the character in Out of Sight, which is very cool. He's like, no, just... That's awesome. Yeah. And Robert De Niro... Good he had that, it's good he had that pull to... Yeah, him do that. Yeah, to be like, no, we're you're not going to charge him. And for Michael Keaton to be like, I didn't want to, but yeah, I'll be in out of sight, uncredited, like sure, <laughs> yeah. uh, at a dinner scene with uh, her and her and uh, that guy that I met, that I walked by and never got to meet him. The guy from Snatch, can't think of his name. Uh, Robert De Niro as Louis Gara. So Sylvester Stallone, that's hard to say. Sylvester Stallone, several years later claim that he turned down the role of Louis Gara. Also, De Niro didn't much get along with Tarantino, supposedly because he didn't get much direction from Quentin. So part of the thing with being a director, they say, that I've heard from a lot of directors is, you when you hire this guy, you know he's going to do good. So you're like, mm -hmm. you're like, De Niro's a good actor. I'm going to bring him in. But some actors do need that little help. Some actors don't. Some actors do. It's like, well, give me some help. You know, give me something. Yeah. So I think that's where he's like, I thought you knew what to do. You know, you're fucking from Mean Streets. Like, come on. Um, Michael Bowen as LAPD Detective Mark Vargas. So he's the I'm Buck. I'm here to fuck. He's in Kill Bill. <laughs> uh, Chris Tucker as Beaumont Livingston. Tommy Tiny Lister Jr. as Winston. Rest in peace, uh, Tiny. Sid Haig as Judge. So Tarantino surprised Pam Greer with a cameo from her old co-star. Haig acted alongside Greer in many of her early hits, including The Big Dollhouse, The Big Bird Cage, Black Mama, White Mama, and more. Greer had not known that Tarantino cast Haig in the movie, and she was delighted to see her old co-star again. So that was cool. There's a Pam Greer uh, podcast right now by TCM. And she talked about when she met Sid Haig that she was she sings a lot. So she was singing some old like uh, church songs. And Sid Haig was just mm -hmm. like he would before she would start filming. And then and she never acted before. She just read a book that, you know, um, that uh, that guy that we couldn't think of last time. Um the guy, the original uh, Fantastic Four, um, Roger uh, Corman. Corman, yeah. Um, so he gave her a book, was like, here's a book on acting. And she read it and went and acted. But they would sing together before their scenes. And then also she had to get naked oh. and he had to be like weird for her. And, you know, a weird creep, but it was good because they bonded. So she was like, that's fine. Go ahead. So very cool. Awesome. Denise Crosby as a public defender. She's in there like for a short thing. Denise Crosby, Tasha Yar. And she was in our 48 hours episode with the bat fucking going to beat up Nick Nolte <laughs> yeah. and everybody. Uh, Quentin Tarantino as the voice on the answering machine. So he's trying to be like a robot. Like you have one message. So it's pretty, but you can tell it's Quentin. <laughs> and Danny DeVito as the man getting his bag which I did miss. I was going to look for, but he's probably in the airport getting his bag somewhere written by. Yeah. So it's from the novel rum punch by Elmore Leonard, 
which I read after this movie came out or maybe before I went and got rum punch and read it and was like, that girl's name's Jackie Burke and she's white. But this one, he was like, I'm going to make her Pam Greer and like Foxy Brown, I'll call her Jackie Brown. So very cool. Uh, written for the screen by Quentin Tarantino out of 26 adaptations of his work. Elmore Leonard called it the best screenplay he ever read. Tarantino had not originally planned to call the shots on the big screen adaptation of Rum Punch himself. The book was, in fact, one of three Elmer Leonard books to which he and his collaborator Roger Avery had purchased the film rights. The other two novels were Kill Shot and Freaky Deaky. And originally, <laughs> Tarantino was leaning toward making Kill Shot, which is about like a hitman. And it's very cool. The book is really detailed and really cool. And then the movie came out and it was okay. However, the writer director had a change of heart when he read Rum Punch a second time and fell in love with the story. Kill Shot would not be made into a movie until 2008. It starred Diane Lane, Chip's girlfriend, and Mickey Rourke, and was co-produced by Tarantino's old partner, Lawrence Bender. Freaky Deaky, meanwhile, was finally made into a movie in 2012, and like Kill Shot, it was released direct to home entertainment. Neither film was particularly well-received. And it's directed by a little guy named Quentin Tarantino. And just like on. Yeah, exactly. On this whole Quentin thing, we're not doing recasted for the rest of the year. We're not doing that. So Mm -hmm. um, how did this movie come into my life or our life, your life? I think I knew about it and I just didn't. I don't know. It didn't tickle me to go see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was pretty much at your insistence that I saw it. Yeah. Well, and that's the story that I told on the uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino references and influences. And uh, I was talking to our friend Brant and he was like, why are you doing Quentin Tarantino again? Didn't you already do Quentin Tarantino? And I said, oh, no, I did a whole thing of, you know, I said I did Kill Bill on my second episode. But, you know, now we're going through everything, you know. So he's like, oh, okay." I said, yeah, I did do that. References and influences. But on there, I talk about how we went to see Jackie Brown. We're sitting there. We're watching it. It's playing for about 30 minutes. I'm getting I'm like, oh, man, this is good. He sits down. He goes to the bail bonds. He goes to tell Robert De Niro to not fuck with his levels. You know, not you know, he can turn it up as loud as he wants. Just don't mess with the presets because he got to set how he wants it. And the power goes out and we're like, fuck. And so then they're you know we're just like sitting there and there's another couple there and maybe if that other couple left we might have left but i was like well let's see what they do and we just waited and we waited it seemed like an hour but maybe it wasn't that long but we waited for a long time without cell phones just talking to each other and then finally the movie came back on so it was very cool it was a cool unique experience but uh you ready to get to listener opinions yep let's do it well you gotta have an opinion well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. I hated, hated, hated this movie. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I like it! Opinions vary. G underscore McAdams one wrote, quote, I love this movie, a classic in my opinion. And then also on the next one, when I was like, in case you missed it, write again. And then they wrote one of my all time favorite movies, a classic. 
and Johnny Shaw. Okay, Johnny. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> J-A-H-N-E-I-S-H-A Wilson. So Johnny Shaw Wilson, if I, I don't even know if I said that right, wrote, quote, I love this movie and, and Pam Greer. I'm a fan. She's dope and pretty. And I said, agreed. Uh, our friends over there, Grindhouse Database, wrote, quote, love it, of course, unquote. Eric 102 wrote, quote, my favorite Tarantino, and I love Pam Greer since I am six, unquote. Van Hal 1, I guess a Van Halen fan, Van Hal 01, wrote just two heart emojis. And fax MNR underscore X5830. I never understand people that take those. Like, is that a, you know, you would think, oh, it's a computer. You didn't pick your own, but they did because it's not a computer that would write this. Quote, been quite a while since I've seen it, but Pam Greer, that's pretty much it. She's gorgeous, unquote. Out of the podcast wrote 10 out of 10, unquote. Uh, Maria Lobenstein wrote masterpiece that combines hardcore 70s memories with modern storytelling and humor. And Pam Greer and the others are given the opportunity to shine as usual in tease movies, unquote. Fried underscore alive wrote, quote, absolutely brilliant, unquote. Keith Giles, 76, wrote, quote, too smart for the general public, unquote. <laughs> and Palladichuk, he's the guy, Nick Palladichuk, that is also a comic book artist and does, <laughs> does things, uh, wrote, quote, one of the best films of 1997. And then our buddy, Jason Bromley, who feels the way Chip does about this movie from Popcorn Promises, wrote, quote, I remember sitting down in the theater thinking, okay, after Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and just being ready to see another modern classic. And then I'm sitting there watching that opening with Pam Greer on the moving sidewalk thinking, wow, this is really long. But like, I get it. Quentin loves him some Pam Greer. As the movie went on, that thought continued. Wow, this is long. And Quentin loves him some Pam Greer. And that was pretty much it. The two things I remember the most are De Niro fucking Bridget Fonda and thinking that's gross. Then Sam Jackson's weird facial hair and thinking that was gross. Overall, a gross yet forgettable film and extremely overindulgent on Tarantino's part, unquote. So there you go, Chip. Somebody who believes how you believe. So uh, got anything to say? You got uh, yes, you agree? I agree. I mean, I didn't. For me, it's, I don't know if I, you know, thought in those terms, but I guess, yeah, to me, it was a long movie. Um, but it was very much a, a movie where you could tell that it was, that he took it from a different source, that it yeah. wasn't all him. Yeah. It wasn't him coming up with all this good stuff and just making it flow together and letting the characters write themselves situation. Mm -hmm. It was him taking it from a source. And that's why, to me, this isn't, as much a Tarantino film as I would like. And I think, uh, well said, I think that he likes it, but I do agree that maybe this is why he never adapted anything else because he was stuck in that structure of, you know, he changed the story a bit, but still Omar Leonard was like, I love it. But, um, but I, I really like it. 
and it's not just Pam Greer. It's it's that heist thing that I always like. So they're going to commit this robbery. How are they going to do it? It's the characters are really good. It's Robert Forrester for the first time when I saw him is almost as good as when you first saw Michael Parks and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, I like him. Like, he's got this natural way of acting and it's just it just works. But you ready to discuss this thing? Yep. Still it. Here we go. Jackie Brown, a flight attendant, smuggles money from Mexico into the United States for Ordell Robbie, a gun runner in Los Angeles. So Tarantino added a nod to Mira Sorvino, his girlfriend at the time, in the film's opening credits. A copyright notice under the title reads Mighty Mighty Aphrodite Productions, a pun on Sorvino's film Mighty Aphrodite, which won her the 96th Best Supporting Actress Oscar. So that's interesting. Also, that whole thing of her on the moving sidewalk is like the graduate. Like it's it's a whole, you know, it's a homage. But also it's done to across 110th Street. And you're like, oh, man, like it opens with across 110th Street and ends with a across 110th Street. Uh, when Ordell's courier, Beaumont Livingston, is arrested, he hires bail bondsman Max Cherry to bail him out. To prevent Beaumont talking to the police Ordell kills him so this is where he shows that you know he's like oh my buddy Beaumont he's like it's like my dad at the bar when he's like I got this best friend what's his last name oh I don't know like his name is Marco so he's like his name is Beaumont he's like is that his first name or his last name he's like I'm thinking it's his Christian name so you don't know no okay let me call and find out and then he shows up and Beaumont's like I'm not going to fucking go with you. It's the middle of the night. Come on in. Smoke some weed with me. Like, come on. He's like, no, I need you to just jump out of the trunk with a shotgun. You rack it. You scare him. It's good. You don't have to kill anybody. You don't have to do anything. Come on, man. Didn't I just get you out of jail? Your ass is free because I go, okay. And the way it's done is tomorrow we're going to go to my lawyer. We're going to talk to my lawyer. It's really good. And, and so Beaumont's thinking, oh, tomorrow. Okay gets in the he opens the trunk he puts him in the trunk can i just ride with you no the fucking element of surprise get in the trunk gets him in the trunk drives around behind the apartment complex pops the trunk yeah, and he's that. like it's like right there yeah the camera just like pans over the thing and then he just stops and when he opens the trunk you hear chris tucker being like man this fucking and he shoots him twice like once in the chest and once in the head and then so you're like holy shit and so then when BNC paid for his bail to get him out. Now, when Pam Greer is arrested and Beaumont gave them uh, acting on information, Beaumont gave them ATF agent Ray Nicolette and LEPD detective Mark Vargas intercept Jackie with Ordell's cash and a bag of cocaine. So now you're like, oh, fuck. And they say something about Beaumont and you're like, oh, shit, he did. He told them more than, you know, and now that she's arrested, you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to kill her now. And after Jackie is sent to well, jail. Well, the good thing is, like, in that moment, you're sitting there going, yeah, he fucking deserved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're like, you know, you're not going to be talking to me that way. So, yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting. Um. After Jackie is sent to jail, Ordell hires Max to bail her out. 
So Tarantino also gave actress Mira Sorvino a stealth cameo. She is out of focus in the background during the courtroom scene. So at least she can be like, look, I'm in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, Ordell arrives at Jackie's apartment, but she pulls a gun on him. She stole from Max's glove box. So that part's done well where Max picks her up. Well, when she's being brought to jail, it's playing a song that she sang in um, in uh, one of her original movies, like her first movie that she was in. They were like, oh, you sing? And they wrote her a song. It was like, sing this. And on the podcast, so she's obviously, like... Obviously, Quentin Tarantino's like, I got to put this in. Yeah, he's like, oh my God, this is perfect. Like, it's a jail. This is from a movie about women in prison. I'm going to put her, have her sing this song. On the podcast, she's like, Whoever did the song, they put it at the wrong pitch. She's like, so I got to sing out of my pitch. Like it should have been saying this way. I'm a long time woman, you know, and all that. So very, very interesting. But so Max goes and picks her up and then is like, hey, you want to go get a drink? I figure you need a drink. I know this cop bar. And she's like, no, I look like I spent the night in jail. I do not want to go there. So he's like, well, I know another bar. It's a sports bar. She goes, that doesn't seem dark. Want to go to a dark bar? She goes, let's just go by my house. If you're taking me home anyway, we'll go there. So I go to that bar. And then, then when he, when she gets home, you see Ordell in the car watching her being dropped off and he's putting on his gloves again. And he put on his gloves when he killed Chris Tucker. And you're like, oh shit. And then he waits for Max Cherry to leave and he walks over there and you're like, oh shit. And he goes to her door and she's like, she's like, hey, come on in. And he's turning off lights and she's getting him something to drink, getting him his uh, his screwdriver and drink orange juice and vodka. And she goes sand it to him and the lights are off again. It's just their silhouette. And all of a sudden he has his hand like on her neck. And then he, you hear this gun cock. And while that's going on, it does this Brian De Palma split screen of Max Cherry showing up at his office and popping his glove box. And going to get his gun his gun's not there and he's like oh and he knows where it is so then later when he comes back <laughs> yeah. he's like did the gun help you but now you see she he's like it feels she goes what do you think it is he goes it feels like there's a gun pressing against my dick she goes yeah get your hands off my fucking neck and you know and she goes what's this and pulls out a gun that he had and he's like that's i always carry that she's like no no it's fucking you were gonna kill me it's okay I don't blame you. I understand. It's okay. And you're like, oh, shit. And then she says, I have an idea to fuck over the ATF to bring your money in to do this. And but you don't hear the plan. She's just like, I have an idea. And then at the end, he goes to leave. And um, which is very cool. She negotiates a deal with Ordell, which we just said she will pretend to help the authorities while smuggling in five hundred and fifty thousand of Ordell's money. So Ordell brings in Louis Gara, a criminal associate and former cellmate just released from prison. Uh, how much time he did you I did four, four years. Like it's just his <laughs> acting is that's where I was like, oh, my God, De Niro smoking pot. I never saw De Niro like smoke a bowl. Yep. You never saw De Niro like fuck some girl while standing bent over the couch. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, she's like, you want to fuck? He's like, OK. And it's like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, it's very much, at least with that, that was very much kind of like the Travolta situation where you didn't yeah. see Travolta doing all this, saying all this stuff, and now you're seeing him, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very cool. 
And the movie in question that uh, so she's watching a movie on the screen. It might not be right there. Right there. She's watching a movie called The The Mad Dog Killer. And there's a part where uh, Sam Jackson is like, is that is that fucking uh, the guy from uh, the guy from Blade Runner? Who's the bad guy from Blade Runner? I can't think of his name. He's in oh, Sin City. Uh, Rudger Hauer. Rudger Hauer. He's like, is that Rudger Hauer? She's like, no, that's Helmut Berger. And he's like, oh. So I was like, I got to find this movie. So I found it. And I am I started to watch it this morning. And it was fucking really good. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, it's an Italian, like, crime thing. These guys escape from prison. Anyway, there's a movie later that she's watching. The movie in question is Dirty... Mary Crazy Larry, 1974 car chase movie starring Fonda Sr., Peter Fonda, and mm-hmm. Susan George. Tarantino would again reference this film in 2007's Death Proof. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, yeah, here's her. Her name's Melanie Ralston, and the other one was Railston. So mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile, Melanie Ralston, one of Ordell's women, attempts to convince Lewis to betray Ordell and take the money for themselves. So now all of a sudden you're like, she's like, what do you think if we just did it? And you're like, oh shit. Like now some other shit's going on. But what's great about usually about prisoners, I would think is that there is honor among thieves. So later he's like, Hey, she's trying to cut you out. She is. Well, that's, he goes, I don't know why you tell her your information. I wouldn't fucking do that. And he's like, he's like, no, no, it's okay. He goes, because I can trust Melanie to be Melanie. And he goes, what the fuck does that mean? He goes, because I know that Melanie is Melanie. Like I can trust that. And, but you're right. You're with De Niro being like, yeah, don't trust this girl. Like, come on. Um, Lewis tells Ordell, but Ordell replies that he is not concerned about her. Unaware of the plan to smuggle in $550,000, Nicolette and Vargas devise a sting to catch Ordell during a transfer of $50,000. So what we skipped here, though, was um, there's that part when he comes back to get his gun, when Max does, and they have this that good conversation about, are you worried about getting old? He's like, no, I lost my hair. You know, started losing my hair. I got some plugs, you know, which you then you look and you're like, oh, he did have plugs put in. And he's like, and I look like me and I'm fine. And she's like, my ass got bigger. And he's like, well, that's good. And she's like, well, you know, come on. Um, <laughs> but they just have this really good. And that's where she plays Delphonics and he likes it. And then all of a sudden he goes out and buys the tape and all that. Um, so Jackie plans to keep the 500,000 for herself. She recruits Max offering him a cut. So at first, you know, you're like, he's not going to take it. And they don't show her trying to talk him into it. But she's like, what if you could do this? And then all of a sudden he's watching the test run and he's like, this could work. Um, During a test run, Jackie smuggles in 10,000 with Nicolette and Vargas aware uh, to swap with Sharonda, Ordell's live-in girlfriend at a shopping mall. After Jackie leaves, Max observes an unknown woman swap bags with Sharonda. So that's where she gives that bag to Sharonda. And Sharonda's like, that's where she she has a cup that we talked about. Well, on our future episode (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. from uh, three, the Acuna boys. And so uh, 
So then she's like, you go ahead and eat. I'm going to go now. She's like, put the bag down like next to mine. I'm going to go. And she leaves. And then that Sharonda. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Simone. So Simone Hawkins then grabs that bag and takes it. So she's the real. And you're like, oh, shit, that's a cool swap. Um, he informs Jackie and she confronts Ordell. Um, yeah, observes unknown woman Sharonda. He informs Jackie and she confronts Ordell, who states, who states he used Simone Hawkins, one of his con- contacts, to secure his money as backup. So, and then all of a sudden he's like, Simone fucking flew the coop. She took that $10,000 and fucking left and she's gone and now they can't find her. So now they have to use Melanie and Lewis to do the transfer. So it's like, oh shit. Yeah, he can't trust anybody. I know, right? It's like, uh, it's like you got all these girls, but they all want money. Like you already got Melanie wanting to steal your money. Simone, who you thought was good, who sang the music for, you know, De Niro all of a sudden. And that was another kind of thing like Pulp Fiction, but a little different now when you watch it. But where he's like, did she do so-and-so for you? Which she can do all three um, of the Supremes. And he's like, she, did she do so-and-so for you? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know her. Like, I don't know who you're talking about. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Um, but not as cool as I'm put. I don't know. I didn't go into Burger King. On the day of the transfer, Ordell discovers that Simone has left, like we said, town with 10000 He reluctantly recruits Melanie to perform the swap instead. Jackie enters a dressing room in a department store to try on a suit. Though she has told Nicolette the exchange will take place in the food court, she had told Ordell she will swap bags in the dressing room. The bag contains only $40,000. Jackie leaves the rest in the dressing room for Max. Jackie takes 10000 and places it on top of the bag she gives Melanie as a bonus. She's like, these guys didn't do anything for us. Fuck them. Like, take it. Um, Jackie runs to the food. Co- so that's a cool part where when you first see this, you're like, She's buying the suit. She's paying for things. You're kind of like, why is she getting a suit right now? And then you see her doing the bag. Then all of a sudden you're like, you're like, why is she in a hurry now? What is she doing? And then you realize, oh, she's acting like she went in to get the dress and they did the exchange. And so now she's like, um, um, and she stops in the middle of the mall and the camera's kind of going around. And then she just goes, she goes, Ray, Ray. You know, Nicolette, help. And he comes running around the corner and he's like, what? And she's like, the exchange happened early. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, cool. <laughs> so um, uh, Jackie runs to the food court, finds Nicolette, claiming Melanie burst into the dressing room and stole the money. So the film's crew literally filled the bag with $500,000 of real money. That bag had real $500,000 in it. So that's cool. Um, although I'd be like, somebody watch Damn. that bag. Like, watch that bag all the time. We don't want <laughs> something walking away. In the parking lot, Melanie mocks Lewis for forgetting where they parked. He loses his temper and kills her. So he's like, just will you please just know? And she's like, Oh, like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I'm such a big man. Like, you're a fucking idiot. And he's just like, and he just turns around and shoots her. And it's like, uh, and then he's like, See, I told you I knew where it was. You're like, oh fuck. <laughs> He loses him or kills her. Uh, Lewis tells Ordell, who discovers that most of the money is missing, 
when Lewis recalls seeing Max in the shopping mall or Dell's furious kills Lewis. So that's another, he's got the bag, throws it into the, to the VW bus, gets in there, goes to back it up. The car stalls, starts it up again, goes forward, finally goes, goes to pick up Ordell. Ordell gets in. Ordell's like, okay, got my money, moves the, moves the towel out of the way and moves some of the money. There's only 40,000 there moves that and there's books. He's like, where the fuck's my money? And he's like, what? It should be there. And he's like, yeah, maybe Melanie's waiting in a fucking hotel somewhere with $500,000. And he's like, no, seriously. Like, I don't, which now you're like, oh my God, maybe he didn't kill her. You know, if I'm Ordell, I'm going to be like, did you really kill her? And then he goes to smell the gun and look at the gun. He's like, I could have just unloaded two bullets. Like, what are you doing? And you're like, you're not doing yourself any good. <laughs> like, come on, Lewis. And Lewis, uh, and so then he's like, he's like, he's just so mad that he just kills Lewis for fucking, for fucking it up for like, you know, and, and you're just like, oh, and he's like, your ass used to be beautiful and shoots him again. And, uh, Ordell instructs Max to tell Jackie that Ordell. So then, so while he's sitting there though, too, before he kills Ordell, the camera's closing in on. Sam Jackson while he's got his arm over the back of the chair and he's thinking and he goes and he goes, it's Jackie. She took the money. And he's like, and then that's when, when Lewis is like, yeah, I did see that guy, that bail bondsman guy. He was there. It's like, what the fuck didn't you tell me that? And he's like, well, I just, I thought it was weird. Yeah. I did think it was weird. It was kind of weird. And he's like, yeah, fucking, Oh, does she, does he know her? Does she know him? Yeah, he fucking bailed her out. Oh, I I didn't know this. And you're like, fucking poor Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh <sighs> so yeah, Ordell instructs Max to tell Jackie that Ordell will kill them if she does not return the money, and that if she goes to the police, he will name her as an accessory. So Max goes toward so Max goes to Tiny. You know, you done got knocked the fuck out. Did you see him and Chris Tucker were in the movie? Um, mm-hmm. So he's like, uh, he goes, uh, so he's like, can you find him? He's like, I need you to find him because that's what you do. And he's like, okay. And he finds him. And so he's pounding on the door. Ordell opens the door. What the fuck are you doing? Because he's at Sharonda's house. What are you knocking like a cop? You want to get your ass shot? Thought maybe you were asleep. It's fucking middle of the night. How the fuck did you find me? I got a guy that finds people. Oh, that big guy in the picture. You know, you're not going to have him waiting for me, are you? No, no. Um, so so uh, Max goes to Ordell's house to tell him that Jackie's frightened and is waiting in Max's office with the money. So he's like, when you said you're going to make her an accessory, that freaked her out. And you're believing it. And like Max told her, you have to sell this. Like the cops may buy this one part. Like Ray Nicolette may want this so bad. That he'll only go so far, but then there's a part where yeah. things aren't going to work out. And same thing with, you know, Ordell, she's going to have to make him believe it, you know? And so when he calls her on the phone and when he hangs up the phone, he's like, I've never heard her that scared. She's usually pretty cool. <laughs> like, I guess she is afraid and they get in the car and they drive there. And, um, uh, Max office for money. Ordell holds Max at gunpoint as they enter his office. So 
it's a cool thing where Jackie's going to dial the phone and you're like, oh shit, is she calling? She's calling the ATF like right now, but it doesn't show who she calls. She does that thing of grabbing the gun like several times, like trying to do it quick and trying to see, you know, how she is and then calls them. And uh, Jackie yells out that Ordell has a gun. So you see the lights are on in the hallway. All the lights are off. He's like, why are all the lights off? What's going on? And as Ordell steps in, steps around Max, then all of a sudden you see Ray and Vargas come out from, from that hallway. And he's like, and she's like, Ray, he's got a gun. And Ray just fucking shoots him two in the, two in the chest. Boom, boom. Like he's dead. Like, (laughs) Oh shit. Um, No chance. Yeah, Nicolette and Vargas hiding in the back, ambush him and shoot him dead. The charges against Jackie are dropped, and she plans a trip to Madrid. Max declines her invitation to join her. They kiss goodbye, and he watches her drive away. So that's a sweet moment where you want them to be together. Like, you're like, yeah, go. Like, you were going to leave this whole thing. Like, just go with her. And when she's like, I didn't use you, he goes, I know you didn't. And she's like, go with me. And he's like, no. And she, they kiss in that good way of like, it's a couple of pecs, not pecs, but it's, it's not like a longing, like make out kiss. It's like they kiss and then they kiss again. And then the phone rings and he answers it. And she's like, you have a business to run. And he answers the phone while he's looking at her. He's like, what is your son arrested for? And then she's just like, never mind. Stay on the phone. I'm leaving. Cause that's the best way for them to do it. And he just kind of, can I call you back? And he puts a phone down and just watches her drive away. And it's almost like that Pulp Fiction, like giving her, giving her a kiss, you know? Um, and he watches her drive away. So she's driving the same, not at this point. I put this in here cause I, I forgot what car she drove till I saw the movie. But at one point she's driving the same white Honda civic that Butch was driving in Pulp Fiction. Oh, nice. Maybe like awesome. like before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the end. So Jackie Ooh. Brown has attracted criticism for its use of the racial slur, the N-word, which is used 38 times, the most in any Tarantino film until Django Unchained in 2012 and The Hateful Eight in 2015. During an interview with Manola Dargis, Tarantino said... Quote, the minute any word has that much power, as far as I'm concerned, everyone on the planet should scream it. No word deserves that much power, unquote. So I understand that, like that makes sense, but still yeah. like, like if you didn't say the N word and we all start using it, it would lose its power, but you would still have people going, do you not know Emmett Till, like all the shit that we've been through? in the history of yeah. black people, like what the fuck? Um, so, so I get that the filmmaker Spike Lee yeah. said something interesting also where I get Spike Lee's thing, criticized the film's use of the word and said, quote, I'm not against the word and I use it, but not excessively. And some people speak that way, but Quentin is infatuated with that word. What does he want to be made an honorary black man? And he uses it on all his pictures, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I want Quentin to know that all African-Americans do not think that word is trendy or slick. Lee took his concerns to the film's producer, Harvey Weinstein and Lawrence Bender. Sam Jackson was like, I've, 
I've used that where, you know, I've been in, I was raised in the South and this is how we spoke and I'm fine with Quentin doing that, you know, but it is yeah. where, you know, you can't use these words just cause you hang out with people. Um, the film. Well, and yeah. The reality of it is, is that Tarantino said he was raised around. Right. You know, black people and ones that, and I guess there were yeah, his mom's some, boyfriends. Yeah. Yeah. His mom's boyfriends and stuff. And so if if he was raised around it to that point and he loved black exploitation movies, but also there's gotta be those those moments where when he's setting up for Pulp Fiction and he's getting all his actors together at his house, you know, and playing games and stuff like that, that he's sitting there going, like straight up asking, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and stuff like right. like, what do you think? Do you think this is too much? Do you think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you have any problems, let me know. And I bet he was like, no, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah, that's where, yeah, Sam Jackson's like, I have no problem, like, saying it. And Quentin said whenever he writes something, he always like, "What? how would Sam Jackson say this? But it's also the thing of just, it works. It, it's understandable where, yes, you would go, it's like we talked about, there was a movie called The Defiant Ones in the 50s, and it was another movie called No Way Out, I think, that was the name of it, but it was Sidney Poitier in a movie with, um, uh, damn it. And this guy chip will not know. Um, but, uh, he was in with, uh, but anyway, the actor I've told it before on the show, but the actor was like, I'm supposed to call you the N word. I don't feel that way. You know, I'm totally, you know, for rights and for all this. And Sidney Poitier is like, no, I understand. Like, just say it. Same thing with Leo DiCaprio being like, I got to say these things to you and Jamie Foxx and Sam Jackson being like, fucking do it already. Like, we're fine. Like, we're actors. <laughs> we're make pretend. We understand. So uh, the film garnered only a single Oscar nomination for Robert Forster in the Best Supporting Actor category. He lost out to Robin Williams for Goodwill Hunting. Which well deserved Robert Forster, but yeah, Goodwill Hunting, that whole speech about his wife and all that. Uh, Tarant Tarantino took his time pondering his next step as a filmmaker. He began work on several projects which remain unrealized, including The Vega Brothers, which would have united Michael Madsen with John Travolta's character from Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. However, Tarantino eventually settled on Kill Bill as his next movie and started shooting that in 2002 five whole years after Jackie Brown opened. So is there something in this movie that sticks with you? I mean, I Honestly, love the... the one thing that really pops out every time is him shooting her. And yeah, like in you, the... you have those moments where you get so frustrated with somebody that you're with that you're just like, shut yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. That, you know, you wouldn't go as far as shooting them, but if you could and, you know, and still bring them back to life, <laughs> you're just, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's that thing of uh, yeah, that scene I always remember, um, that one of her pulling the gun on him in the room, like that was just cool because she got the upper hand, and now he's like, "What do you do?" And she's like, "I'm cool. You were gonna kill me. I understand. No, no problem with that." And you're like, "Oh shit!" And also with Max Cherry just being like, "Did it help you?" And she's like, "Yeah. Do you need it? Would it help you? Some? I know it's not right, but you can still have it." And she's like, "No, I got one." And he's like, you went out this morning and bought a gun. She's like, no, let's just say I acquired one. Like I got one. 
And then she's like, Cordell came last night. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, what the fuck? Well, Pretty and cool. it was cool. Yeah. The cool thing about that, though, is that everything kind of worked out because, you know, when he shot the dude in the beginning in the back of the car, mm-hmm. that was like he was dumb. The guy's yeah. dumb enough yeah. to get into the trunk, not understanding that he's being set up. Yeah. She's smart enough to deal with the whole lights out thing and know what's up. Yeah. Him turning off all the lights. She's not dumb. But then yeah. also in the end, when he comes in, what are what's what's with all the lights being off? Hey, dumbass. You did that to her in the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's uh so I, I like the movie, but we'll get it to it in a minute. Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus reads, quote, although somewhat lackadaisical in pace. Jackie Brown proves to be an effective star vehicle for Pam Greer while offering the usual Tarantino wit and charm. Unquote. Roger Ebert rated the film four out of four stars, writing that Tarantino leaves the hardest questions for last, hides his moves, conceals his strategies in plain view, and gives his characters dialogue that is alive, authentic, and spontaneous. Unquote. So I give the movie five out of five celluloid hearts now you're gonna tell me now i might go down to four and a half i'm thinking you're gonna say three or three and a half i think last time you said three and a half i'm gonna try to bring you up maybe we made it four can you, you where, where are you it, at I, first I, I would say honestly i think because i just thought of those things about those parallels between yeah. him getting killed and her being smart enough and then the whole lights out thing and yeah. all that like how it just kind of worked I, yeah I think it would be it would have to be at least four, even though I don't like like they said the slow pacing of certain right. things. Yeah, I would still say that overall that it would be a four. Cool. Okay, then be, being as you did that, I'll go four and a half. I had it at five, but I was but I really like this movie. But yeah, I'll say four and. But a half. you're also in love with Pam Greer. Well, I am, but I'm learning a lot on this <laughs> uh, new podcast uh, that she's doing about like. She was raped when she was like six and like all these things that make you go, maybe I shouldn't objectify women like I do like for her, like maybe, you know, but, um, but no, she's, she's, I don't know. She's good. And yes, I've, I liked her after the, after Reservoir Dogs and I went and watched all these Pam Greer movies. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, Pam Greer's in this. And so, yeah, I love the black exploitation movies. I love all those movies that's why we started we didn't even talk about our other podcasts making tarantino the podcast yeah so that'll be uh on there but uh i think we pretty much wrapped this up like talked about the wrap-up uh that you did uh so well like you always do uh phil's film favorite of the week our new podcast by the way starting in january 20th 2023 Mm -hmm. um so phil's film favorite of the week I just watched it yesterday. It's called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Have you seen this on Apple TV? Do you have Apple TV? No. Oh, it's it's from 2022, Zac Efron. So during Vietnam, these guys at the bar are... Oh, I heard the story about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they're, they're at a bar. Bill Murray's in there. He's a bartender. But Bill Murray's like an old war vet from like World War II. And they're talking about how there's protests going on about Vietnam. And they're like, but these people are heroes and they're fighting for our country. 
And everything they're hearing is they're not fighting for your country. They're in a conflict that nobody believes that we should be in this war, which is true. But you got these people who are full on believing it. So the good thing is, so he's totally believing that it's for America. And so he's like, what I'd like to do is go take them all a beer. All of our friends who are over there and they're here and like one of his friends is MIA and they're like, I'd like to take them beer. And they're like, you won't do that. You never do anything. And he's like, no, I'm going to go. He's like, I'm a merchant Marine. So I'm going to get on the boat and I'm going to go wherever and I'll find a, find a way there. So he does takes a big fucking duffel bag full of Paps blue ribbon um, and goes there. And then he like, he's like, well, I'll just, I'm just going to hitchhike from Jimmy to Johnny. And they're like, no, you can't. Do you understand you're in a war zone? And he's like, but yeah, I can. They have roads, though. And they're like, you can't fucking do this. And he's like, he's like, well, you know, he doesn't get it. And then there's a part where because the way he's dressed, people are thinking he's CIA because he's not in an army outfit. He's like wearing like like chuckles and G.I. Joe. And they're like, (laughs) oh, he must be CIA. And so they're giving him flights and things. And um, so he so then he gets into like the middle of a war where they he's like, call my buddy. I'm here to bring him beer. So they go, Tommy. <laughs> and Tommy's like, yeah, or whatever his name was. He's like, he's like, he's like, uh, you need to come to base. So Tommy's like out on the outskirts where they're fighting. He's in a foxhole. He comes running back to the sergeants at in their hut where they're at, where Zac Efron's like, I'm going to cover up with this thing can you guys cover me up so i can surprise him they're like no he's like okay so he covers himself up that guy just dodged all these bullets zigzagging comes in there he's like he's like yes sarge what did you want and the sarge points over in the corner and zach efron pulls the thing down hey buddy i brought you a beer he's like you fucking kidding me i just dodged fucking all these bullets to come here i brought you a beer man like that's the other thing thinking a beer will make all the difference He's like, we're supporting you. And they're like, no, you don't understand, you know. And so while he's there, he understands a war is hell. And he understands the truth about the Vietnam War and Russell Crowe's in it. And it's really cool. So it was was really neat. So, uh, yeah, check that out. It's on Apple TV. I give it four uh, hearts or stars, green clovers and blue diamonds. So that's right. Uh, Come back for... Not too long ago, I was quite the professional. My friends and I, we were the creme de la creme in an exclusive industry. And we all worked for this man, Bill. Then one day, I decided to leave, settle down, and start a new life. But when I tried to get out, they did me in. Don't you ever wake up. I guess they should have tried a little harder. So I suppose it's a little late for an apology, huh? You suppose correctly. Now it's kill or be killed. You have every right to want to get even. Get even? Even, Stephen? I would have to kill you. That'd be about square. And I choose kill. Mommy, I'm home. Hey, baby. How was school? One tick to Tokyo, please. One more. 
deserves her revenge. And we deserve to die. No kidding, I heard it was kind of hard. Silly Caucasian girl likes to play with samurai swords. Yeah. Oh. Any more subordinates for me to kill? Hi. Hmm. Right from 2003, it's Kill Bill Volume One. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh yeah, we're very excited. Uh because uh to be uh totally um transparent, uh Chip did not watch Jackie Brown because he had just seen it earlier in the year. And um, or maybe last year or whatever, but he was like, I'm not gonna watch it. First one he hasn't watched, I'll tell everybody that he usually does even a movie called his girl Friday. He was like, I'll give it a try. Philip really, I'm going to, for one, do it to fuck over Joe Weedman, but for two, check it out. And he liked it. He was like, Oh, that was funny. The guy's like, no, you just, I just came in. I had it. No, I no, you never brought it. No, I did. I, so yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's, uh, that's what's going on. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this Jackie Brown episode. Uh, certain movies stick with you. They stay in your head and heart forever. So from all of us at My Cellular Heart, keep watching movies. What do you have to say, Chip? Don't get in a trunk. Ah, that's a good one. Don't get in a trunk, especially if you just got arrested for doing some shady shit for a guy. And that guy yeah. tells you to get in the trunk to just rack a shotgun. Like, no, like, no, I'm good. Like, Go ahead and rat to the police. I don't believe in rats, but if that keeps you alive, rat to the police, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where I, eh, I don't, like don't go home afterwards. That's right. Yes. You can never go home. Yeah. Just leave. Yeah. So yeah. Be uh, like Kane and Kung Fu. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you. Uh, goodbye. Now, let me tell you a little something about Quentin. He's a saint. Jackie Brown's coming out, it's for the holidays, it's a love story, it's got a shopping bag full of money. So I'm thinking, why don't we show a little holiday spirit and just give the money away? Watch MTV Live on January 5th at 6 p.m. They gonna give you a secret phone number, you call it, and you could win the 25 grand from Jackie Brown. That is phenomenally, amazingly great, considering that I took a pay cut to work with Quentin. Technically, the money belongs to Miramax, all right? But I told Harvey, I go, Harvey, you know who it really belongs to? This money really belongs to the people. He really is the nicest guy in Hollywood. Uh, Mr. Tarantino, I, uh, yeah. I, got, I got the script. Uh, what's it about? Uh, me and my brother. About you and your brother. Well, you yeah. know what? It just so happens that I just finished Jackie Brown and I have no idea what I want to do next. Why don't we have a walk and you tell me all about it, all right? Come on, bud. Um, okay. So how does it start? Page one. Well, my brother dies. Brought to you by 1-800-COLLECT.